this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. And even though it was still recording, the spirit of that song and the message is still just as needed. And it warms my heart to see some of you who were singing that song in this room today. And what a joy it will be when we can sing again at full voice and full volume as a choir and congregation together. And I look forward to that day with you. Now, today I'm going to be in the Old Testament in Samuel chapter 2, and I am, over the next few weeks, I've pulled out what I'm calling great prayers of the Bible, and of course, when we think of the prayers that we hear in Scripture, obviously we think of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, and then you think of maybe the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane or even the prayers he prayed as he died on the cross. But I wanted to lift up some of the less talked about prayers so that we can hear them and learn from them and let their prayers be our prayers too. And today I want to talk about Hannah's prayer from the book of Samuel. And Hannah's prayer begins with, My heart exults in the Lord. Now Hannah's story is a complicated one one that you almost can't talk about without realizing how hard it was to be a woman in her time and place. Hannah is a woman who longed to be a mother. And so this story has the echoes of the pain of infertility and longing for a child. As someone who is a parent today, thanks to the good gifts of adoption and medical science, I am well aware that this story can be quite painful and hard to hear sometimes. And so I hope to share this story with compassion and humility as we talk about Hannah's beautiful prayer. And this is what she said. It's in Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 through 10. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in the victory There's no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. And those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. And the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he exalts. He raises up poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of the faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, 
His adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Amen, Hannah. Now, Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah, and Elkanah had two wives. His first wife, Hannah, had no children, and his second wife, Perina, had several children. And the scripture doesn't say it was so, but it is likely that Elkanah took a second wife because Hannah had not had any children. In a society that depended upon having generations of children to come after you, the pain that this must have caused Hannah was unbearable. And every year, they would go to the temple and they would make sacrifices to pray. And every year, Hannah had the very same prayer. She longed to be a mother. Now, maybe your prayers are different than Hannah's prayers, but maybe you too know what what it is to have a long-held prayer, a prayer that you pray day in and day out, week after week, year after year. You just keep carrying that same prayer to God, and it is heavy, especially as time goes and you wish for some answer, for some certainty, for God to make a way. And Hannah has this same prayer, year in, year out. I know I've told you this in some way before I've alluded to it, but I remember a woman at my student church, and I was in a Sunday school class, and each week we would, we would pray our prayer concerns. What, what prayer concerns did we have in our own life? And we would share them with one another. And every week, this woman in our class, she had the same prayer concern every single week. Pray for my daughter. Pray for my daughter. My daughter, Sarah, every week, same prayer. And her daughter, who lived with mental illness and addiction and was sometimes homeless and sometimes not, and sometimes she knew where she was and sometimes she didn't, but she always had this prayer for her daughter, Sarah. And one day it dawned on me that several weeks had gone by and she had not indeed prayed for her daughter, Sarah, or named this prayer out loud. And I asked about it, and she shared with the group, she said, oh, of course, I've got my prayers for Sarah, but I just figure everybody's sick of hearing this prayer as much as I am tired of lifting this prayer concern up. And it was a beautiful thing to watch because I got to watch the whole class reassure her that it was their blessing to journey with her in some small way to help lighten the load as she carried this prayer day in, day out for her precious child. Hannah not only prayed to be a mother, but she prayed to be the mother of a son. So this prayer wasn't just about the gift of motherhood. It was also about being seen as someone who was valued and respected no longer seen as somebody less than, a son would ensure that. And one day she was praying so fervently to God that the priest Eli actually even wondered if there was something wrong with her, if she was drinking a little in the sanctuary or something, because she was just so heartfelt and praying 
for this child. She prayed to God that if she were gifted to be the mother of a son, that she would do the most sacrificial thing she could do and gift him right back to God. She would let him be raised in the sanctuary so to assist the priest, and he would spend his whole life serving God. That's what she wanted to do. And God provided. Samuel was born. Samuel means God heard. And she was so grateful. In fact, there's this beautiful phrase that you often see in nurseries and around, for this child I have prayed. That's Hannah who said that. For this child I have prayed. Hannah knew her boy would be special, but she couldn't yet know how special he would be. He would be raised uh, in the sanctuary to assist the priest, Eli, and Eli's vision would be bad, and Samuel would be there to help him, and Eli's own sons, the generation after him, would be very corrupt and bad news, and Samuel would be the voice of God to call them to task. Samuel was used by God to do great things. But Hannah didn't know all that now. All she knew is for this child she had prayed. And now she's back standing in God's house and she's praying a prayer of gratitude and trust, but not just about her. If you notice, the prayer isn't about her. It's about how big God is and how much God is at work, the fullness of God at work. And the thing about that that makes this prayer worth talking about is that Hannah could have ran towards the future and never looked back. She could have gotten her answered prayer and forgotten about everything else, but she didn't. She came back into the heart of God and prayed this prayer of gratitude and assurance of her faith that God was indeed faithful. And I think about that, how easy it is for all of us. When, we, when God does provide to just keep on running towards the future and we forget to look back just to say thank you. We forget to take note of even all the ways God has provided, even in surprising ways, even ways we hadn't expected or planned on. I, I think about jobs that we just knew we had to have that fell through and yet God was providing us for a new path. I think of second chances and newfound love. I think about the chance encounter with someone that changes our entire life. What's that expression? We make plans and God laughs. The abundance of God is around us in ways that often we forget to take notice. There's a story in the Gospels about Jesus that there are 10 lepers that are following him. And they ask for Jesus to have mercy on them. And Jesus does. And he tells these ten lepers to go and show themselves to the priest. And as these ten lepers are walking towards the priest, they realize that their skin is healed, that they're made well. And nine keep running towards that priest. But one, one turns around and goes back to the past and says, thank you. He has to go back to Jesus, to the source and the giver of the gift, 
and say thank you. Hannah looked back. Hannah stood back in the heart of God's sanctuary and wanted everyone to know that God's abundance is at work in the world. It's so easy to keep running toward the future sometimes, but Hannah did. She remembered to pray, not just for her own self, but for all of God at work in the world. My heart exults in the Lord, she says. Now, Dorothy Day, the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, and if you don't know who Dorothy Day is, I invite you just to spend some time Googling her on the internet. She led a fascinating life. And Dorothy came to the Christian faith after sort of a long and winding road. And really, the heart of this Catholic worker movement that she started was um, that she really called the church as a whole, not just the Catholic church, but she really preached and talked about that the church should not be concerned just with the afterlife uh, with someone's soul, but that the church should look like Jesus' ministry. And Jesus' ministry was so concerned with the poor and the suffering of the world, and so she really believed and taught that the church should be an active part of that, that the church should be about the poor and the suffering of the world. And in her book, The Long Loneliness, she has this phrase that has always stuck with me. She was actually quoting someone else, a John Ruskin, and she said that for Christians, it is our calling to have a duty of delight in the world. And I love that phrase, a duty of delight. And what she means by that is that as Christians, we should delight in the faces of rejected people. We should delight in the sound of the beach on the sand we should delight in good piece of bread with butter on it and delight in the senior citizen who feels lost and alone, that it is our job as Christians to take notice, to notice that, to be aware of the abundance of God around us in the world right now. I remember a dear friend who was going through a really hard time in her life. Her life was actually just pretty totally wrecked. And she, in the midst of a lot of loss and grief and heartache, she had started a new job in a new city and had to move. Not something she had planned on at all at the start of the year. And during this time she told me that she started this little practice because she felt so lost and so overwhelmed that every night before she went to bed, she would name three things that were really wonderful about her life. For the new co-worker who showed her how to work the copier that day, for the way that her siblings have gotten closer since their mother had died suddenly, the way she's realized that she's stronger than she knew she was. Every night she named those three things and it helped her to remember that in the midst of the darkness, God was still giving her light. Just enough light to help make her way by. That God was still providing in the midst of a really hard and unknown time 
the light was still there. And you know, every Sunday we sing this little song. Now, we used to really belt it out, and I know right now we either aren't singing or we're humming it along, but the song is sung after we give our offerings, after our stewardship, and it, it goes, praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's a little sentence. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And yet, it's really a powerful thing to say. Do we really and truly praise God from whom all blessings flow? That's the challenge of it, to, to praise God for the long-answered prayers, to praise God for the surprises, the unexpected twists in life that we never would have planned on, and yet we see the way God provided, to praise God from whom all blessings flow. And so today, I want to give you a little homework assignment, if I can. And I want to invite you during the service or even tonight, before you go to sleep tonight, I want you to do your own three things, to name three ways that God is providing for you, to look in that rearview mirror just for a time, to look back on your life, on the unexpected and the unplanned, and to see the way God's hand has provided for jobs that were the right ones for you at the right time, for new love, for second chances, for rock bottoms that helped you find your way up, for the gift of family, for the gift of friends who are family. Take some time to look in the rearview mirror and give thanks. Write your own prayer of God's abundance in your life. As Hannah prayed, there is no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There's no rock like our God. Amen. Amen.